0: You're listening to Brazen Bookworm's Unrighteous Reading Rebellion, a reformed book snobs journey and musings through all things romance. Some language may not be safe for all ears, frequent use of sarcasm may occur. Welcome everyone, we are here today um, with, I can't even believe I'm saying this, we're here today with Lucy Score. Uh, (laughs) Lucy freaking Score (laughs) is joining the Stalker Sisters on the podcast today and we are over the moon, super excited to have you joining us today. Um, everybody knows pretty much who we are at this point. Uh, we're the Stalker sisters and we love books and romance and everything to do with it. Uh, and we are so excited to welcome you to join us today in the podcast. So for anyone who's been living under a rock and doesn't know who you are yet, please introduce yourself and, and tell us a little bit about who you are and what you write.
1: Sure, I'm, as you said, Lucy freaking score. <laughs> Um, I am a number one New York Times bestselling author of contemporary romance. Um, I live in Pennsylvania with Mr. Lucy and our cat. and um, yeah, that's that's pretty much me in a nutshell. I love tacos. Tacos <laughs>
0: tacos, everything. I thought about it. Like we should all go and like grab tacos and have like a little lunch <laughs> thing, and I'm like, yeah, no, I can't eat and talk. That would not go over well. <laughs>
1: the crunching, the crunching would be
0: overwhelming. I think the crunching is overwhelming. <laughs> I think my zoom might explode. So, uh, but <laughs> uh, we are all huge fans. Um, we've been fans for a long time, and I know I'm trying. I was trying to remember before this all started where I first discovered you. I am really new to the romance community. I didn't read my first romance until March of 2020. Uh, I know, I am so new. I am a baby So excited
1: for you. Oh, that's, is. that's, welcome to the community.
0: That's Thank very exciting. You. It's been pretty amazing. I think literally saved my life during the pandemic. Um, and I started reading all the things that I could get my hands on once I read my first one. And I came across Bootleg Springs it was the first time I read anything Lucy score and I was like oh I need more and then Mm -hmm. blue water and then I just started from the first book that was on your list and Mm -hmm. binged the hell out of everything and I am all caught up and and waiting for suit daddy so um
2: (laughs) waiting for that
3: (laughs) oh my god we're all waiting for that we're all waiting
0: for that so that's how I found you um Julie how'd you find Lucy
2: you know, I, we were just talking and I'm like, I'm pretty sure I read a couple of the bootleg books. I can't remember, but by a thread, it, it just took me and I not let it go yet. (laughs) I bet, I bet you, I, I mean, I read it once, but I am in the car a lot. And so by a thread is on like a repeat regularly. Like, I think I could word for word say it
1: that's amazing <laughs> and those well, narrators were fantastic
2: phenomenal in fact that's that's funny we were we actually uh interviewed several narrators lately and that was one of the things I did not read or listen to uh, audio books at all like I, I just didn't like them didn't either but I found that it's the narrator the narrator makes the biggest difference and I mean those
1: narrators are phenomenal they are so. amazing thank, thank you I'm so glad that you you were introduced to audio through by a thread that's really exciting <laughs> yeah
0: that was me too I was not an audiobook person and then Julie was like you have to listen to by a thread and I went <laughs> okay and I think I messaged her like 20 times within the first three days because I listened in the car and I'm like Thank you. Thank you. I am now an audiobook fiend. I love it, listen to it all the time, and I credit by a thread for my addiction to audiobooks, um, just like I credit Julie for my addiction <laughs> <laughs> to many things in the romance community. <laughs> so, Susie, how did you find Lucy?
3: Um, it was at IIP. Oh.
0: Yeah.
3: But I wasn't able to get in line. Because the line was <laughs> it was a, it was a yeah. long line <laughs> and i remember i was asking um julie because i was walking with her and i'm like who is she because again i was a newbie and they're like you never read lucy's score she's like oh no we need to get you into lucy's and <laughs> from there yeah i read every single book at least
1: twice so oh my goodness that's a lot of books that's yeah that's amazing, that's amazing. Really? <laughs> ron how'd you find lucy
4: i we were talking about it before she came on and that, that uh, I wasn't really sure. Cause I've read everything. i read the whole list and um, I wasn't sure where I, where I kicked in, but I think Mr. Fixer Upper might've been my first mm. book. like that. that... Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. Um, and, and I, I think that that was it, but I read so many of them all like, bam 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 that I and due to a glitch all of my original um reviews got ditched and Um, I had to go re-upload them so um I'm not I wasn't sure what the order was but I think Mr. Fixer Fixer Upper was it um but my favorite is Twingo yeah perfect I it it was my favorite book last year all year long I kept waiting for somebody to knock it off and then it's still my favorite (laughs)
0: I think that goes for a lot of us, um, most of us. Well, I'm honored.
4: (laughs) Awesome.
0: Definitely. uh, Twingo definitely stands the test of what's the best one of the best books you've ever read, the best book you've ever read. I listened to the first two on audio because, well, the narrators are top notch and I'm in the car Mm -hmm. a lot. So I didn't get a chance to read them read them when they first came out and I was like I have to catch up I felt really behind I had massive FOMO because everybody was talking about it and I'm like ah. Oh. so I got the audio and just started listening to them in the car and I was so hooked and the stories are they're deep and they're resonant and it was just I found myself sitting in the driveway and I, I could see like my family peeking out the window like are you coming in and I'm like Nope, yeah. nope. No, there's ten more minutes in this one more chapter. chapter. <laughs> yeah. More, and I might just go drive around for a little longer just so that they stop staring at me. <laughs> so I could just listen a little bit longer because I didn't want to let it go. <laughs> okay.
4: I I I came to romance. Well, I've read romance since I was thirteen, but um I came back to romance after a long time in the <laughs> fantasy adventure world and, and those books are really fat and like when you when you mm-hmm. sit down to read a book if it's under a thousand pages you're like eh, well maybe it's a, a weekend read but um, that that was that was the thing that like hooked me in was it's a girthy book I mean it's a really girthy book it and mm-hmm. it's not fluff there isn't from page one to the end, there is no fluff. Everything is essential to the story and moves you forward and draws you in. And it it just it will probably always be my top book. Oh,
1: <laughs> thank you. Well, I hang on. Wait until Lucian's book comes out.
4: <laughs> That's
3: who well, I'm waiting for. That is, yeah, yeah,
1: me too. I think I think we all are.
2: I think we all are a little into the bad boy.
0: Mm-hmm. So that is
2: exactly what Lucian is
0: <laughs> I have a type I, you know looking at the questions I'm like what's your favorite book and I'm like well so far it's this but I am I know that's going to change the minute I start reading things we left behind because I mean, I've been waiting for Lucian's book since he came on the screen per se and it's like <laughs> that's my type I got I need more I need more and then I was like oh he's getting a book." a <gasps>
1: and I didn't I didn't plan that I did not plan his character I did not plan like things we never got over was supposed to be a standalone and um I started writing it and when Knox and Nash get into that fist fight in the driveway in the first book I was like well now I'm intrigued like Nash needs the book and then Lucian just showed up on the page and I was like who is this guy (laughs) I was like he definitely gets the book.
0: <laughs> I love that. I love when characters kind of come in organically and every, all of a sudden they just develop a life of their own. Mm-hmm. And there's something really amazing about an author's mind. I think that where you can listen to these voices and say, I can't leave them behind. I can't push them to the side. I know some of the authors I work with, they're like, they're so loud in my head. If I don't write their book, they'll never shut up and I'll never mm-hmm. write anything else. <laughs> so being able to listen to that and bring that story out, yeah. is just, that's a talent that is so deep. Um, and I have so much, so much respect for authors who can focus and say, I'm writing this now, but I know I'm gonna write this later, but following that train and saying, mm-hmm they're getting a book because they're just too There's just too much they're 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 too they're extra they're (laughs) They're too already
1: here and now i need to know what happens (laughs) well i I I
0: think
4: the question what's your favorite is is such a it's like trying to pick what your favorite ice cream flavor is you know all ice cream is good but this one's just a little bit
1: better Yeah, and, and, you know, my favorite, just it'll change from day to day, depending on how writing's going or, you know, how yes. sentimental I'm feeling, you know, It it's, it's a different answer every day. I think yeah. sometimes it's a different answer from morning to evening. <laughs> Somebody say, who's your favorite kid? Well, I, sometimes I, I, probably, could say- I feel like I could pick a favorite kid if I had kids. <laughs> right. I would, I would pretend i would at least have to pretend pretending to not be able to but i can tell. <laughs> sometimes it does
0: depend on the day it's like well yeah. let's see which one's rolling their eyes at me right now and right. um which one just slammed the door in my face <laughs> not that my kids would ever do that but <laughs> sometimes it depends and i think that's with books like that too it's like people are like what's your favorite book i will not answer that question i refuse to answer that question because I have so many favorites. Mm-hmm. I, I have multiple best friends. I have multiple book boyfriends. I have multiple favorite books, and you're not gonna change my mind no matter what, but depending on what I'm looking for each day, what I'm reading, what mood I'm in, there's so many that are great. I you know, I love Twingo. I love the, both of them so far. I can't wait for things we left behind. I love By a Thread. I, there's just so many that are so great. It's I'm never gonna pick a favorite, so. Uh, <laughs> I know we want to. I'm, we're definitely going to get into how this is different, but just to back up a little bit, why did you start writing? Because I think that's a question that comes up a lot for authors: is what set you on this journey? How did you find yourself here?
1: Uh, I think words were the first thing that I was good at, and technically, I think words are still the only thing that I'm good at. <laughs> 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 I spent a lot of time trying to find myself <laughs> in the world, and it was. I just kept missing my mark. Um, I always gravitated towards books. My family is is a huge family of readers. My mom's a retired librarian. My whole extended family reads. So I I found my comfort in books very, very early on. And I actually was a journalism major in college because I thought writing a book would be way too hard. So, but I could write news stories. Um, So I, I just always, you know, took a lot of creative writing classes in college, not enough to have an official minor, but close. And in my spare time, I would have these little scenes play out in my head and I would just write them down in a notebook. So I think that, had, that was always at work for me. I just assumed that it would take a different form. I was going to be Lois Lane. And um, I tried being Lois Lane and I realized it was such a poor fit for me. I, I don't <laughs> like the because the news is bad. The news exactly is very stressful. And you know, you're not reporting on like a cute puppy contest. You're reporting on fatal car accidents and and, you know, devastating things that devastate families. Yeah. And for me, I started to think well, what happens to those devastated families? What, how do people recover from this? And that's just the way I've, my mind has always worked. And that's not what's important to the news. It's the thing that happened. That's it. Mm -hmm. I'm like, what's, what happens in the aftermath? What does that do to a person? How does it affect them for the rest of their life? How does it affect how they feel about themselves and others? So obviously I, there's, there's something in me that was just very, very curious about humanity and the written word. And here I am, you know, <laughs> it's crazy,
0: and it's interesting because amazing that, that flows into so many of your stories. Like you said, it's the aftermath, it's the what happens later, and that is a central theme in a lot of the things that you write. Is everybody comes from somewhere? They have some backstory. There's been some either a trauma or something that set them on this path, and then it it pulls the rest of the story together, and it's the afterwards, and it. it I'm kind of glad that you didn't stick with news because I like the afterwards. <laughs> I, I like those, those coming together. Um, I, I was a, I was a pandemic romance discoverer, and those stories, knowing that there was always going to be that HEA, knowing there was mm-hmm. always going to be, there might be some drama and trauma, and they were going to get through it and come out on the other side okay, was. um, I think saved my mental health. It it Mm -hmm. kept me from spiraling. It kept me from obsessing. And it honestly brought me together with the best friends I have in the world um, because it was something fun and neat to focus on. And um, it's interesting how when you get the right story in the hands of the right person with the right mindset and then they get it out to the world, how relevant it can become to people um Hmm. how they can relate to characters and and that's um i think we definitely see that (laughs) in romance and definitely i definitely see it in your books even though sometimes you know the characters are like what the hell how does that why but you're like oh oh okay yeah there's a reason there's always a reason (laughs) (laughs) i I love it (laughs) ron you had a good question
1: um
4: you've been a driving force in Landia for quite a quite a while now. <laughs> and, you know, I know that you, you um, have influenced not only my not only me as an author, but the author I work for. Um, so how have things changed since the first your first toe
1: in the water book to where you are now? What's no. what's different? When I first started um, writing, I didn't know anybody. I didn't know any other authors. I didn't know anybody in the community. So the first like two years of my writing career was very solitary. Um, it was just me and I didn't have anybody that I could go ask questions of and I, I didn't have anybody that I could bond over, you know, how tough it is to actually finish a book. And um, I I met Claire Kingsley online and we hit it off and that kind of opened up this world to me of all these other people who were doing the same thing I was, you know, we all do it differently. We all write differently. We write different stories, but we're all writing books and publishing them. And um, just discovering that safety net of friends in the indie romance community has been one of the greatest surprises of my life. I think I I talk to some of these folks every single day, you know, they are such an ingrained part of my life that I can't imagine my life without them. And I think it's just the community in general. We, you know, we're all romance readers first. And there's just something about people who love love and people who are in it for the happily ever after. Those are the kind of people that I want to spend time with. Those are the kind of people that I want to talk to online or in person. And um, romance readers are the best people in the world because we're we're open to love in all its forms we are curious and accepting and excited about everything and it's it's kind of not the way that society is telling us to be right now you know it's we're supposed to be building walls and keeping people apart and and you know (laughs) focusing on ourselves but romance is like oh, let's just build a bigger table and then we'll all sit at the table and talk about romance. <laughs> so I think that's, it's the people, you know, the people of the romance community are just amazing. And I am in awe that I am allowed to be part of it.
4: Well, I think that it's wonderful that you've built such a big table. I mean, <laughs> I'm, I've been a member of your, your group for quite a long time and and the way that you are inclusive and inviting and um, supportive of not only your readers but of the new authors that that come on to your platform um, it, it's an it's very impressive to me because it it isn't as prevalent
1: as it should be and you do it well thank you thank you I just there's just there's so many readers out there like that, who has time to be competitive with, <laughs> with other authors I- oh no no readers can only read my books sorry guys <laughs> I only put two out this year exactly <laughs> <laughs> yep and
0: that's something we talk about a lot is the the community element of of romance and it's, it's people who love love so you know what's more relevant than to that than people who appreciate other people and see the humanity in other people and want to welcome other people and it's I love visiting bras. I do not get, when I get on Facebook, it becomes very overwhelming. So I tend to stick to my book groups and there are five or six groups that I visit every single day. And I may not comment on everything. I may not get a chance to like everything, but I look at everything in the warmth that comes through, whether it's a post by you, by uh, Joyce or Tammy, Martina, by your team, or by just another reader like me about something they read, something they found, something they heard, something that's going on in their life. It's just, it's an inclusive, there's no judgment. Everybody is excited when somebody has something that goes great and empathetic when something doesn't. (laughs) And it's like, we're all here. And it's a huge group. You think about Right. going out even to dinner with like 10 people is like chaos and mayhem and I want to leave but I will happily dive into a group with a couple thousand people and feel like I am seen and welcomed and heard and not you know pushed to the side or marginalized because we all have that joy and love of the romance books and your books and everything in common so there's something that, sh- that can be said for creating that community because it always comes from the top it doesn't matter who runs it because it's always coming from up here and that sense permeates everything it goes through your books and it comes right into your group
1: <laughs> well, so I, thank I, you I, for creating that space well thanks for being a part of it i got very lucky i you know it wasn't that long ago that i didn't know what a facebook reader group was <laughs> <laughs> and um, So starting it, I didn't know what I was doing. So I just was myself in the group, you know, and I, I, somehow I got lucky enough to attract so many um, like-minded people who, you know, we come from all different backgrounds. We're all different ages. We have all different life experiences, but we're all looking for that happy place and we find it in romance novels and now we can find it in Binge Readers Anonymous. (laughs) Um, It's just it's just really exciting to see the a a community like a literal community form around something like this because romance novels have been oh my gosh a part of my life since like Ron like since I was 13. I was stealing them off my mom's bookshelf and devouring them and I was like this is what life is. It's It's not like, for me personally, it's not like this adventure search for power and fame and and whatever. It's like, I think it's just about experiencing as much love in all forms as possible. And I just, I get goosebumps thinking about it because I, there's, my days are so filled with love that I can't, I can't get over it.
0: (laughs) Susie, you had a good question that kind of Tags right into what Lucy was saying. oh Julie I'm sorry I just talked right over you did you say something no it's fine oh, no I, I was just in
2: general about the, the reader groups the readers the relationships that are built within it is amazing that's all I was
1: gonna say <laughs> it's really cool and I think one of the things that we accidentally did right is somehow in binge readers we we pretty much only talk about what we love you know, we're not, we're not bonding over, oh my gosh, I, I hate that TV show or that food or that whatever, you know, like we are bonding over things that we love. And I think that just has like a different vibe to it. I mean, it's very easy to bond over things that we don't like. That's super, super easy, Mm -hmm. but, but somehow the group has just been so consistently focused on positivity and, and love that it just I think it's actually affected me and my normal offline life too. You know, I I never I, I never talk about like, oh I hate that TV show. <laughs> 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 I'm never ever like that anymore. I'm you know there it's just um it's a very powerful force.
0: And when there's so many things out there that you can be pointed to that will make you happy mm-hmm. it's um life's too short for to do things that you don't like. So or that you don't love. So yeah, don't. It's a bad TV show. I'm not going to talk about it because I'm not going to watch it because there's too many other things I can watch. You know, books. I'm going to read the books that I know I'm going to love, and I know I'm going to love them because the people who love the things I've already read already love them. So I'm going (laughs) to I'm going to go and find out what they love because I know I'm going to love it because they did. Mm -hmm. Um, And you know, Julie mentioned the the power of book groups. Mm -hmm. None of us knew each other before pandemic. And we just slowly found each other in groups and connected over books and authors and things that we loved within the community and all met for the first time at IIP in 2021.
1: Wow. Yeah. And that was so
0: cool. cool. And it's it's kind of just grown into its own thing um, since then. But it's I've seen so many friendships, true, deep, honest. Friendships come from the book groups. Um, that it's they're kind of invaluable to me. Where it's like this is the source. This is I cannot place a value on. They're priceless. Mm-hmm. The groups and what they bring and how they bring people together. So yeah, again, thank you for creating a space like that because there aren't many. Like you said, there's lots of places where you can go on and and bitch and complain about everything, but spaces where you can bond over things that are just joyful and positive. It's kind of where I want to be. Pretty cool. pretty cool guys <laughs> Susie your question leads a little bit off of something that um, that Lucy just mentioned so I wanted you to grab that one next
3: How have your life experiences influenced your writing or characters
1: Ooh, My life experience I think I infuse a bit of myself into every book it, it, it depends I mean I love writing characters who are totally different from me because it's really nice to escape myself um, but So, for instance, Nash in Things We Hide from the Light, um, a couple of years ago, I had started experiencing panic attacks. And the first time it happened, I did not know what it was. And I thought that I was having a heart attack in the middle of a poke bowl restaurant by myself. (laughs) And I very carefully packed up my laptop and my bag and my food. And I went out to my car because I didn't want to ruin anybody's day by dying in front of myself. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> <laughs> <done> uh, <laughs> I, actually called a,
0: I called a friend of mine who's a doctor and I was like I think I'm having a heart attack and she said where are you I said I'm in my car in my driveway and she said get out of your car jump up and down do 10 jumping jacks and I did and she said are you dead I said no And she said you're having
1: a panic attack <laughs> <laughs> it's panic attacks are you know very aptly named they are terrifying especially when you've never experienced one before and you have no idea what's happening um so I I had a lot to work on to get myself back to a healthier less panic attacky place yeah and I I really wanted to explore that like I thought Nash's character was the perfect way to explore that recovery um because of everything that he had been through. I hadn't gotten shot. <laughs> <during a laughs> traffic stop. No, I mean, I was just like overworking. <laughs> end of story. But um I really liked exploring that through another character's eyes and um so bits and pieces like that end up in the books, in the stories, in the characters. Um at Lena, same book, Um, She has an issue with her heart and um, I have a similar one. I have uh, mitral valve prolapse and regurgitation, which sounds super exciting, but (laughs) um, my condition is much less dangerous than hers. And, um, but it was, it was still a really scary experience for me. Um, Especially every time you see a headline that so-and-so died from mitral valve prolapse, Uh, you know, it's just, it's, um it was just that that particular couple was my way of working through things that um I had dealt with in the past and trying to put out like a you know Lena is already through her recovery she's already in a good place so she was able to be there for Nash when he needed her and um I just really appreciated that about them and I just you know it's think it's so important for readers to be able to see bits and pieces of themselves in characters like that and happy healthy characters (laughs) like that um so I just you know there's there's little pieces of me all over the place
2: and I think um as an author or at least as a reader I think it's important that you understand how the words you put on a page and the um situations that you put in your books really do affect readers in positive ways. I mean, um, whether it's, you know, panic attacks and how he deals with them, it, it's educating others. And I think you should be coming in, you know, as authors when when you heal people, even if you don't know about it.
1: Yeah, and- that, that's awesome. I mean, I've, I've read books like that, that have healed pieces and parts of me. So, I mean, it's just the idea that something that I wrote doing that for someone else is just mind blowing. I, I, yeah, I don't even know what to say.
4: <laughs> you, you have a lot of
1: characters who are strong
4: and dynamic characters that have big obstacles. And, and I think that, that it in your books and in other books, um, it's important for people to see that even people who, who seemingly have it all together can have, panic attacks, and, <laughs> and can, you know, not have a, a, a solid grip on what they think their life should be in a yeah. moment, and, and that you own that as, as an author, and as an individual, that carries weight, too, because it's not just a book character, character, you're saying, I did this, you know, and I'm still doing okay, and I'm number one New York Times bestselling author and <laughs> I have panic attacks. So <laughs> you, can, you can have a panic attack and still write a great book.
1: Exactly. I mean, we're we're all so deeply flawed. I get so much shit, for, especially from TikTok, for characters who make immature decisions. And I'm like, you guys, <laughs> I'm so glad that none of you have ever... <laughs> I've ever made an immature decision in your life. That's wonderful, but like me, my life, the people I know, we mess up a lot. We, I think, the focus on therapy that these new generations are are getting is so valuable. I think, I think these kids are going to be great. I think these kids are going to be incredible and amazing because none of us were taught. Hey, this bad thing happened to you. And you know, what was what was the standard saying when you fell down? When you rub some dirt on it, shake it, did it fall <laughs> off? You're fine, you're fine, you're fine. That was the standard for all of the emotional hurt too. Like stop talking about it, pretend yeah. it's not there, and just go do what you have to do. Drink so, out of the garden hose. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So it's it's like we are these characters are adults who were never emotionally supported in the way that would turn out a super healthy person. Mm -hmm. Like many of
0: us. (laughs) When you're you're told suck it up and push it down, it's like, um, okay, so suck it up, hide your emotions, keep going, fake mm -hmm. it till you make it. Mm -hmm. All of these things that we were told, you're right. It's like, then we become adults and we're like, don't tell anybody that that upset you. Don't yeah. tell anybody that you feel bad because this happened. Just suck it up. Keep going. And it's like, yeah. We
1: that didn't keep, work out real well. <laughs> we just keep stacking over old wounds, yeah. expecting them to just disappear. And so we we shop online. We experiment with drugs we drink too much we we gossip we you know we do all of these things to relieve that pain that we're not supposed to be I'm using air quotes guys not supposed to be <laughs> feeling, but we are feeling it we were hurt and we were never taught how to get through that hurt and trauma so I think that's one of the things that I love so much about romance is you get to explore these characters who are deeply flawed who are becoming the best versions of themselves because they're, for the first time sometimes, shown real love. I mean, I think you can learn everything through love. I I know like right now, especially in our culture, it's more popular to shame people, like to educate them. But I don't think that's a very effective strategy. Like uh, understand, like obviously some people are terrible end of story, but <laughs> somebody who's trying to do the right thing and maybe not getting it, maybe getting it really wrong. Like I, I think education through love is a lot more effective than shame.
0: But hundred percent because shame is not something that it's not something you get over easily. It's not right. something that you learn from and it just perpetuates more behaviors that <laughs> can be more damaging, especially, you know, to yourself. Um, I know I have teens. Um, my older one is a teen for one more year. (laughs) I'm kind of having trouble with that. And between them and their friends, they are super open about therapy. They are super open about the issues that they face. They are super open with themselves, with each other, with other people. And I know that they will be judged and I don't care. I want them to continue to be open and honest because it they're going to be healthier for it. And you, you it, for me, when I read um, Things We Never Got Over, and it's to see Nash, who is this accomplished, trained, you know, he's a protector, he's a police officer, and he's having a panic attack. Well, if it's okay for him to have one and to get through it and to find support in the people around him to manage it then it's gonna be okay for me and for someone else. It's like, it, it's it gives permission for people to talk about it and for people to be open about the things that they're feeling and that they're going through and accept the help. Because I know we all see, this is a big theme in, in romance, that they never want to accept help. They don't want to admit there's anything wrong. They're so damaged. They're never gonna get over it. They're, nobody's gonna be able to help them. And all of a sudden, ta-da, they get over it because they let someone in and they help them. It's yeah. like, oh. that's how that works (laughs) okay (laughs) maybe i should try that (laughs) and if that helps someone get through it how powerful is that yeah it's just amazing
2: no pressure though for any other (laughs) books knowing
0: that you've got to heal someone (laughs) right and talking about that julie you're going with your question because that filters right into what we've been talking about
2: things we never got over knock them out how did it like how did it come about? What what made you
1: decide to write about it, the idea of it? Uh, honestly, it came from a super benign place. The very first inkling I had for the book was um, whenever Mr. Lucy and I would get in the car, I always plug my phone in and play Spotify. And um, I would always sneak um, down to the Honky Tonk a Jake Owens song into the playlist and I would, I would sing it very loudly to Mr. Lucy. And there's a line there. uh, I've got a dog named Waylon in a driveway that needs paving. And I was like, I wonder who that is. That sounds like somebody I'd like to know. And um, that's where Knox came from. Like that, that line in down to the honky tonk. And that's where the name of the bar came from. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. I mean, that's So I, I usually have a bunch of pieces and parts of stories or characters floating around in my head and it takes, I wait to see which one gets the most interesting. And then I kind of just sit back and see what gravitates towards that and pieces just start sticking together. Like (laughs) I I don't really know, (laughs) I don't have a good metaphor for it, but you know, stuff (laughs) starts sticking to other stuff (laughs) and there's the book.
0: So you started writing it, you get this idea from a song lyric, which I love um and then it builds off of that and you're writing things we never got over. How did your feelings about it change? I know this is something that we've talked a little bit with other people and it's like sometimes a book starts and then as it goes, it morphs Did you think it was gonna be the hit it was when you first started and and how did how did the progression of this story develop?
1: Well, Uh, Things We Never Got Over was a really interesting writing experience. Um, I was, my friend David passed away the day I started the book. And it was, you know, we had known that there were health issues happening, but it never occurred to me that he would not be part of this world. Never occurred to me. So um, I was leveled. And, you know, his wife Claire we're good friends and just knowing that she was suffering was awful I mean it was just such a horrible time for her obviously and that I couldn't stop thinking about the trauma that she was experiencing so I was trying to write this book and trying and trying and I was so I was grieving I was frustrated that I couldn't fix it. I was sad that I couldn't do more, be more supportive. And I was depressed, like for months. I remember I started it on June 2nd and I remember it was in September and I still didn't know what the book was about. I just kept like changing things and shading things and just was really struggling with the story. And I remember in September, I just kept saying, what's the point? What's the point of everything? And, you know, I've been there before. I've been depressed before where I I can recognize it. And so I knew, I knew what it was. I knew it was not a permanent situation, but when you're there and you're like, literally, what's, why should I work out today? What's the point? Why should I eat this healthy meal? What's the point? Why should I finish this book? What's the point? and I just kept writing until I remembered what the point was you know it's it's about people not being afraid to love even though we know that we're going to lose everybody it's it's the only choice you know and once i realized that the whole story came back together you know it it made sense but it took me Six months to finish that book which for me is a long long time it was I missed my all of my deadlines um it was supposed to come out in October of 2021 I think and wow uh, it came I think it came out in January of 2022 but I was so proud of that book I was so proud of I think the emotional excavating that I was able to do on myself and I think some of that kind of bled into the pages and um I think maybe that's part of the reason why the story is resonating with readers because they recognize that they recognize the the grief and the hope and it
0: really is resonating with readers I mean number one for how many weeks months um you know it, it's still on the the charts and it's still getting a lot of press and it, was there a point when you were writing this when you realized there's something different here there's something special here this is not just another book
1: um no <laughs> <laughs> I think you know every book I write I think I'm trying to teach myself a lesson I'm trying to learn something important and uh, so every book you know the writing experience is always different there's different frustrations there's different like uh walls and obstacles that I run into but I you know I was definitely not thinking about how other people were going to feel about this book I literally I was so focused I was just thinking about how I felt about the story and when it was done I was so happy and so proud of it it still did not occur I was like oh I have to put this out in the world now oh that's going to be awkward <laughs> Just I had no idea. I mean, the I knew it was a dramatic book. I knew it wasn't like um a gentle, easy read. I knew there were there was a lot, you know. I mean it's it's a rom-com, but it's also super heavy. There's a lot of heavy subject matter in it. And I had no idea how readers were gonna respond. And obviously, like thankfully. Um, many 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 people loved it but all you have to do is look at the one-star reviews and see how many people were absolutely <laughs> devastated and hated the story and I you know that's kind of important if, if I don't think you ever get some kind of like runaway blockbuster hit unless you have those people hating it you know it's you can't have one without the other, other. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a I- balance it's a balance
0: and It's funny, one of the authors I work with, the baby author, she messaged me when she got her first one-star review and she had a screenshot and all the message said was, I feel like I've arrived. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, because there's a recognition of if all of your friends are reading your book and everybody loves it because it's you and they give you all five-star reviews. And then all of a sudden you get this one-star review and you're like, (gasps) somebody I don't know read my book and they didn't like it. Ow, exactly. It's like, okay, that hurts, but that means somebody read my book. And it, there's a there's a level of acceptance and acknowledgement in the fact of that other people are reading your stuff, and they may not like it and, and it's okay. It's okay for them not to like it
4: and, and, and I, I came to, to working in romance from the wellness industry, and I what I know to be true from that is that you, you can have a hundred people who say, oh, this, you go to this person, she's got the corner on the market for figuring out your stuff. And when you, when you work with her, she helps you get to the end of it. And then you'll have just as many people who aren't ready to make that journey yet, who tell you you're a hack. Mm -hmm. So I I think that, that there are definitely parallels in romance authors who dig into substantive material and, there are going to be readers who are just not there yet, who just can't embrace that part of the healing journey, and you got to say, you know, next.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and there's there's readers who are going to say that you got it wrong, and sometimes those readers are correct, and you know, it's for them. Yeah. It's really it's them, really yeah. tough to. I mean, you obviously can't make everybody happy, <laughs> uh, but. You know, if I make a mistake, I want to make sure that I fix it and right. make new mistakes in the future, not the same yes. one. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, and it's really hard to wade through the, um. you know, every book that I've written has been the worst book that someone has read in their entire lives, you know, and so it's really hard to wade through that and the uh, the personal attacks on me as a human to get to, you know, the ones that are like, hey, by the way, this this is not accurate, or this could be done better. So um, yeah, it's, it's kind of tough to, uh, to wade through that. And I don't generally read my reviews. So um, I wait for good. other people to bring them to my attention. <laughs> yeah, right, <laughs> right. Yeah, so
4: that's are what sensitive, sensitivity readers are for.
1: Well, <laughs> and these poor sensitivity readers, I mean, there are so many people who are like, well, your sensitivity reader wasn't good enough. They d- their experience was not my experience and therefore their experience is invalid. And so, I mean, I just have so much respect for sensitivity readers because they are unintentionally opening themselves up mm-hmm. to have their very existence questioned. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's, that's tough. That's yeah. all, other all in the name of <laughs> trying to improve a, a story for someone. So it's, yes. yeah. Yes. And there's always going to be people who have an issue with something
0: unfortunately there are just people who were like that um and waiting through that mess of the the chaos of what's not to find out oh wow okay that that makes sense so like you said you can make new mistakes in the future because i don't want to make the same mistakes over and over again when there are so many more new ones out there that i can be mastering um that it's like okay well i'm gonna i gotta put that to the side and move on and it, I know that there were people who are like, "Oh, it was um, it was too deep for a rom com." So I'm not going to call it a rom com. And I'm like, "Well, did you like the book? Right. Oh, I loved the book, <laughs> but it's not a rom com. So don't call it a rom com. Whatever you want to call it, you call it. You can call it a purple buzzy bee. I don't care. Did you like the book? <laughs> you know. So for me, the really the rom coms I love the most have some depth to them, and because I'm if I'm spending my time reading a book, I can watch a thirty minute. Episode of Friends and get all the ha ha's I want. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to be spending this much time, want, you know, reading a book or listening to a book, I want some depth to it. So oh. I'm always looking for those that have mm-hmm. something I can kind of sink my claws into. <laughs> I,
1: want, and, I want a rom com that makes me cry. Yes, I know I'm guaranteed to laugh. So yes. I, want, I want one that moves me on that emotional roller coaster. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, yes. it's flat it's
2: mm-hmm. you know those
1: stories are flat so yeah. exactly yeah I love that
0: because I always read on the kindle because it's lighter than the book um it falls on my face it Especially doesn't me. hurt as much <laughs> <laughs> but I I love those I close the kindle moments where I'm reading something and all of a sudden it's like <gasps> right yes. <laughs> I line. It. Yes. yes oh my highlights were yeah we're not gonna talk about the pages and pages and pages of highlights in the books that I love because I just want to highlight every line but you know that's that's not that doesn't happen that would destroy the purpose of it but anyway (laughs) talking about twingo and the new times bestseller um susie had a question
3: how did it feel when it hit number one on the new
1: york bestseller list oh my gosh okay so uh things we things we never got over didn't hit number one on the list but it did hit the list so it was my first book ever to hit the New York Times and Mr. Lucy and I were sitting in our living room and the editor from Bloom is calling him and and I was like oh gosh did I screw up what my first thought is I did something wrong (laughs) so so she's like congratulations you're on the New York Times bestseller list I was like was there a mistake like how I don't understand So I didn't, I didn't even know it was possible. Um, So that was mind blowing. I was like, completely shocked, had no idea how it had happened. I didn't, honestly didn't know that it was a possibility. Um, So it stayed on the New York Times bestseller list for like 35 weeks, I think, like, yeah an obscene amount of time and then um, I was on book tour for things we hide from the light the second book and so the New York Times announces the previous week's um, rankings on a Tuesday and we were in Miami and I was in the middle of a signing and I signed a book and the next person didn't come forward Uh, So I'm just sitting there at my table. I mean, there's a line. I can see the line. (laughs) Honestly, I had no idea what day of the week it was. I was not, I'm never thinking about that. Every, or I guess it's a Wednesday, isn't it? Yeah. Sorry. They announce on Wednesdays. Uh, So it was a Wednesday. I'm in Miami. All the details are the same. Looking at the line. I'm like, what's going on? Why why aren't you coming forward? And everybody's just like, like, there's this buzz. And Mr. Lucy's standing behind and he's got his phone out. And then somebody has a microphone. I'm like, what's going on? (laughs) So they, my editor calls, they put her on speakerphone with the microphone. And I'm still like, very, I was like, oh my gosh, am I about to have two books on the New York times bestseller list? Is this, is this really happening? And I'm just, I'm sitting at a table by myself. Nobody is anywhere near me. And I'm like, Having this moment, this out of body moment, and Deb, my beautiful editor from Bloom, she's like, she gives me the number for Things We Never Got Over, which was, I think, 10. And she's like, and congratulations, you're an instant number one New York Times bestseller for Things We Hide from the Light. And I was like, huh, what's happening? Hello? Hello? Hello.
2: Hello. Hello. Hello okay everybody
1: okay we have an announcement to make this is a call from lucy's publisher and she has some
2: news okay Deb, let us know where it is hello
1: is lucy there is lucy here i'm here i'm here (laughs) Oh my cool.
4: God. <laughs> okay. she's, she's crying. <laughs>
1: What? <laughs> <laughs> I was literally like I was like I misheard her what 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 huh and everyone's cheering and this guy appears because this this uh really super cool bookstore had a restaurant and this guy appears with champagne and chocolate cake <laughs>
2: oh,
0: and I'm like huh what <laughs> <laughs> I love that I remember the pictures I remember the group and people were posting pictures I think Joyce posted and we were all messaging each other (laughs)
1: like did did you see did you see and and Mr. Lucy had flown my my two PAs Joyce and Tammy are you know both my right hand they're amazing and Mr. Lucy had flown them down to Miami to surprise me Um, because we weren't going to have anybody at the signing with us. You know, usually we have like a a helper from the publisher or something, but you know, with the timing and everything, there wasn't going to be anybody there. So they surprised me at, at lunch at a restaurant. And I still wasn't thinking anything of it. I'm like, oh my, blew my, my best buddies down here so they can see Miami with me. And yeah, so it was, oh my gosh, you guys, it was so wild. I mean, just to have two books on the New York Times bestseller list when I got my start as an indie author and that was not an option. You could not make the list. So it just never occurred to me to think about goals like that. And I was just blown away, like just absolutely. And And we hit number one combined but they can't count my ebook sales because i'm exclusive to kindle unlimited i'm exclusive to amazon so Mm. none of the digital sales counted for that combined list so (sighs) that was like holy guacamole wow
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) yeah what an amazing testament to your readership to your efforts to your team to the to the environment you've built where people were clamoring for this book i know i mean when the first one came out we were like you know really excited and then it was the momentum that just continued to carry because you know you're an author you put out a book people read it and then it's like okay what's next and then you just kind of keep going but right. it had so much momentum the first one just kept rolling and kept rolling and building more momentum and then when the second one came out it was like, it exploded, you know, and it's, people are reading romance who've never read romance because they keep seeing this book everywhere and it's got this beautiful cover and you keep hearing about it and people keep talking about it. And then the book tour, and I can't I believe think, this is my life.
1: <laughs> I can't believe I wrote that book. I can't, I honestly, I mean, I don't think that Things We Never Got Over has been below 50 or has been above 50 in the Amazon store yet and it's been out for over a year and a half. Um Mr. Lucy will correct me on that, but yeah, it it's definitely never been out of the top 100. So mm-hmm. it it just I can't mm-hmm. believe I I wrote that. You know, I've seen books take off and go bananas at where they're on where they're on the list for like ever. Yeah. And I just can't believe that I wrote one of those.
0: Having read it, I can believe
1: it. I think we can all <laughs> believe it. <laughs> Because it's amazing and it's well if you guys followed me around it? in my regular life and watched me look for my car keys for the 90th time and watched <laughs> me fall down my pool steps yesterday oh no you no. might have trouble believing it. <laughs> <laughs> but you know
0: what that's what makes you real that's one of the reasons we can believe it because we're like oh she's really a person look she did that I don't feel so bad about um walking into the door frame that I walked into the other
1: day that. I'm ex- I'm extremely real. I I texted photos of my butt to friends and family today.
0: Are you okay?
1: <laughs> I am. I am. I have the most spectacular bruise I've ever seen on my body, so I'm pretty proud of it.
0: <laughs> Those are fun. Yeah, I sported a bruise on my shoulder for about a week from literally walking into a door frame and people were like, "Oh, what happened?" And they're expecting me to come up with a- I'm a karate I'm thinking- instructor. I get punched yeah. and kicked yeah. for a living and I'm like you know they're like oh did you know massive you know epic fight I'm like door frame. they're like
1: uh <laughs> okay <laughs> I don't know if you guys can see that. I'm rocking a vitamin b12 bruise yeah sticker. yeah yeah
0: because <laughs> yeah. that's what I'm we a, do is we, we get old yes it's like all the bruises that show up and you're like oh that's pretty where did that come from
1: I know i'm starting to worry about internal bleeding i think a a a lot of bruises
0: (laughs) see that's what makes you real. that's going to wind up in a book somewhere that the epic (laughs) bruise will probably wind up in a book somewhere because you know you're like oh and then i sent a picture of it to my friends and a picture of my butt
1: it's true i already i already have a plan for i don't know anything about the story but i know the heroine is running away from a one-night stand because she's a commitment phobe and she falls down his stairs and he has to take her to the emergency room. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's in my head right now. <laughs> oh I love that. That's amazing. <laughs> oh we're coming close on time. Julie, yeah. you, your question's
0: awesome. Go you I want your question next.
2: Well back to you um being on the list, the combined list without even the ebook sales. Um, I guess as an assistant to several authors I want you to know that you inspire so many people just by being you and and getting where you were or where you are um is there any advice that you would give a, a baby author and the author
1: yes um I think one of the things that helped me most when I was a a or author I still kind of think of myself as a baby author because I haven't been I don't know I have 20 years under my belt but um, I think one of the things that was really helpful for me is picking one focus a year um, so when you're like brand new brand new focus on writing the best books you can but as you get more books to your backlist pick one thing. Uh, I, it's so easy to get overwhelmed by all of the things that everybody else is doing that you should be doing. Um, You know, are you on TikTok? Are you making enough content? How's your newsletter? How's it blah, 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 blah. blah. Are you doing book boxes? Are you, uh, it's insane. Mm -hmm. Like there's so many different ways that you can do this job, but I, every year I would set one emphasis, one focus for me and, and my team. So it would be something like one year, it was just write more books. I need, I wanted a bigger backlist. I wanted like a new series. So that's what I did. Um, one year it was grow my newsletter list so that I focused everything that I wasn't using to write. I focused the rest of the energy on how can I do a better job with my newsletter? Um, so I think just narrowing it down to that one focus and setting a time frame for it really helped me because I've always been somebody who's like, what's everybody else doing? Do I need to do that?
2: <laughs> and it becomes so overwhelming to yes. authors that are getting... Um, advice from 20 people and one says the newsletter is the big thing and you need a backlist and you need a series no you need a standalone you know it's like you'll never (laughs) succeed if you don't go viral on TikTok (laughs) I think that
1: advice is super smart yeah yeah it's it's wild all the things that you can be doing and all the things that you really really don't need to do um it's
4: Well, I think my takeaway from that is that you've been doing it for 20 years and you didn't come out minted bestseller day one. That that it is mm-hmm. something that you have yeah. cultivated over decades and yeah. that, you know, a, a new author can't expect to do it all in one year. You know, right. one you can release.
1: For... I have one book, then I'm right. going to hit the bestseller you know, You follow. can hope you can hope for that unicorn moment. Absolutely. Why not? Why not? Yeah. Hope for it? But you have to plan for mm. the anti-unicorn. <laughs> you have to plan <laughs> for the slog. Hope for the unicorn, plan for the slog. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
0: to think, exactly. What's the anti-unicorn? You can, you know, hope for the unicorn and plan for the donkey. You know, it's like <laughs> someone's going to come hard, up behind hard-working you.
1: Hardworking burrow. <laughs> exactly.
0: You know, that makes a lot of noise and is really stubborn and just digs its heels in and just keeps going. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, you know, that that's that's so valid. And I appreciate hearing you say that because there is this emphasis on doing all the things and, and driving yourself into the ground by trying to do everything instead of being focused on something, one thing at a time and make yourself successful. And, you know, it's like you said, it's, you have to do everything. You have to go viral on TikTok. You have to have book boxes. You have to do a thousand signings. You have to do, you don't, you don't. You have to find a focus. You have to find a relevance. You have to find your joy in it because you can knock yourself out doing all these things. And if you burn yourself out in three years, where are you going to be in 10?
4: Yeah, and you have to yeah. write the words. <laughs> and you have to write the words.
1: No, I, and I think there's so you know there's a lot of a generic advice out there like the go viral on TikTok. Well, my books went viral on TikTok, but I had nothing to do with that. You know, these were these amazing content creators who are super creative and funny, and they're doing these amazing things on a platform that I don't know how to use. <laughs> <laughs> I'm never. I I I've, I've embraced the fact that I'm not going to be good at TikTok and i've let that go. you know, it's it is the genuine readers who are authentically excited about a book that are doing the most on tiktok. you know, yes, you can absolutely like craft a success on tiktok. and the people who are able to do that that's amazing. i think that's incredible. but for me personally, it was these other really talented people who fell in love with my book. And they're the ones who get the credit on that. That was definitely not me.
0: (laughs) But that says something too, because your books are being picked up by people who have a passion for them. And they follow through on that passion with what their passion is. And it it shows it builds more community. But that's part of what you've established as building that community, writing those books that people can fall into and embrace and enjoy and share. And then you hit the right somebody hits the right algorithm and it's like, woo, that's kind of nice, but that may not be mm-hmm. everyone's you thing. So you can't count on it. <laughs> right. Exactly. That's the unicorn. So uh, Ron, your question. So I know we're running short. You're
4: here. you're you've touched on it a little bit because you they you talk about bloom a little bit, but um so you're working with not that's what she said. <laughs> 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 as a publisher now. Um how has that changed your process?
1: Oh, it's, it's been such a different experience because um, I've been indie since 2015. So that was just me and Mr. Lucy plugging away. Um, Tim, Mr. Lucy, uh, he still, he publishes my eBooks and my audiobooks books in um, North America. So we have, that's what she said, publishing over there. Um, I signed a North American print deal with Bloom Books and so they have they're the ones getting my paperbacks on shelves all over the place i also have a deal with hotter books in the uk um the first deal was print only so they are no i don't remember <laughs> <laughs> So there's there's all there's uh three publishers and then there's all my foreign rights publishers so they, they've taken my books and they've been translated into other languages And um, so it is crazy. Bloom has been wonderful. Hotter has been wonderful. Um, It has been so interesting to come into it as an indie author. And this is the way we do things. Like my arcs don't go out until two weeks before the release because people will forget about the book, right? Well, in traditional publishing, arcs go out like six months before the book publishes. And I'm like, people are going to forget this book exists by then how are they going to remember a book they read six months ago
4: <laughs>
2: but we it's,
1: remember <laughs> it's so funny to have um such a large team behind us and they're all in our corner and they're all excited about you know what I'm writing and what's coming next. And, you know, I'm surrounded by professional romance lovers now. And it's, it's really exciting. It's been, it's been wild. I honestly thought that it was going to be less work on my part. Like, oh, Mr. Lucy and I can take some time off and maybe we'll go spend a month in Coaster. No, it's more work. It's (laughs) (laughs) everything is just more work. (laughs) But we're super appreciative of everything that they've done because, you know, without Bloom, that New York Times would not have been possible. And without Hotter, we were, we hit the Sunday Times bestseller list too. So, you know, it's we, everybody is working very, very hard.
0: <laughs> well, it definitely
1: shows. And it, it's
0: the journey is interesting to see, you know, from indie to, you know, mainstream publishing and how it differs and how it changes things. And um, so, you know, keeping that in mind, what's next? What's, what's coming up on the horizon for you with, um, with Bloom, with, um, I know you've got another book tour that you've been, um, probably hinting at, I think I saw something, I'm trying to remember where it was with Indies, and then there's other books coming out. So what's, what's coming up next for you?
1: Uh, well, right now I'm, currently writing Riley Thorne 4, so that's a series of, of, of it's a reluctant psychic rom-com. It's paranormal light, um, with yes. mysteries and dead bodies, and very, it's super rom-com-y. Uh, so I'm having a blast writing that. Um, in September, Things We Left Behind launches on the 5th, and I will be doing a North American tour for that, and then in October, I will be kicking off a three-week European tour I know that's amazing I don't know whose (laughs) life this is you guys (laughs) don't take it back too soon
0: (laughs) I love it I love it beautiful I am so hopeful that I'm going to get to see you on one of these tours the most recent one that you were close enough where I could have gone to was the same day as Charm City Romanticon which I kind of had to be at because yeah yeah. yeah. so I had to kind of be there and I was like oh man can I just slip out for like two hours and run up to I think you were in York Run up to Harrisburg yes (laughs) because my sister lives in Lancaster and I'm like we could just meet oh it's the same day Yeah. yeah I'm 90 minutes south and I was like that would be great so I know Julie got to see you in Ohio right yeah Think. And I was like, okay, so now I'm waiting for the next dates to come out. My sister and I are like, okay, when the next dates come out, we're gonna make sure we're not traveling anywhere because we have to go see Lucy. Um and so now we're just waiting for the dates, for the American dates. I'm like, well, maybe if I have to go to
1: Europe, uh let me check my calendar. <laughs> there are worse things for sure. Oh, gee darn. Going to Europe for a book signing? Oh gosh. How inconvenient. <laughs> you know, my husband's like,
0: my husband's like, "Hey, if you can write it off, we'll find a way to make it happen." I went, know. "Really?" And he went, "No."
1: I was like, "Oh." <laughs>
0: so, <laughs> I know. So him too. I was like, "No." So anyway. to be respectful of your time yes.
4: and and because we really do appreciate you being here, <laughs> we do this crazy thing called uh, that that's this or that <laughs> kind of thing, um, speed round. Speed oh. round. So we want we want you to just off the cuff not think about it too
0: hard
1: i just hired a publicist she can do everything that i am about to say
0: (laughs) it's super easy just a this or that nothing too Uh, controversial yeah but but, and julie can work her magic and like you know throw something else in there that's relevant if that's that's,
1: (laughs) somebody in a completely different voice is going to answer over my
0: I'll wait for Dan's call. <laughs> <laughs> Julie's going to start it off. All right, Julie, you're up. Coffee
2: or tea?
1: Uh, I I was a long time coffee drinker. Now it's tea. Dandelion root. How weird is that? Good for you.
2: <laughs> um, bad haircut or bad hair dye?
1: Uh, bad hair dye. Lipstick or lip gloss? Lipstick. Lip stain. <laughs> I don't I think wanna... everybody in I want... has bought <laughs> I them. know. Yes. Maybelline. <laughs> I love it.
3: Beach or mountain vacation?
1: Beach, 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 beach.
3: <laughs> plan ahead or live in the moment?
1: Oh, uh, I would love to plan ahead, but I basically only live in the moment.
3: <laughs> Morning person or night owl?
1: Night owl. Beer I'm or margaritas? I'm trying to become a morning person. <laughs> That's a tough
0: transition. I'm going well. Yeah.
4: I can call you at four when yeah. I get up. <laughs> <laughs> Beer or margaritas?
1: Margaritas. High angst or comfort read? Comfort read, 1,000%. Draft or edit? Edit. I love editing. I, I don't like other people's edits on my stuff. But I like <laughs> To clarify, You're I are like not alone. My round of edits—that's that's where I think the magic happens.
0: I agree. I love that
1: Kindle or paperback, both always. I love it. See, that was easy, right? Yeah. Okay. I don't think I screwed anything up. We don't have to, to overdub <laughs> anything. Those are great. <laughs> See, thank you so much thank for being you. here.
2: Yes, thank you. you. It You're was trying. truly an honor. <laughs>
0: It was delightful. It was so nice to see you guys. Oh, thank you, thank you. This is something that we love, and um, getting a chance to talk to authors and um, listen to you talk about the things that you love within your pre- profession, your career, and and the romance industry itself is so valuable, and so other people hear it also. And um, you know, it's fun because I think the top ten, the 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 ten at the end when we do, sometimes people will message me and they're like, "Ah, oh, she likes tea just like me," and I'm like. <laughs> something that small to make such a great connection. But to hear about your books is just incredible and what's coming next. And thank you so much for your time and for joining us on here. And um, I can't wait to see what comes next. I can't wait to read the next books and hopefully see you somewhere on tour. And um, And
4: you're always welcome back.
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) Anytime. Thanks for letting me hang out with you guys. You have such a cool vibe and community going here. I really appreciate it.
2: Thank you you. so much.